You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hey, hey, we're Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. I'm Veronica Daschle. I'm Elaine Swetman. And I'm Charles Kelso. And we're too busy monkeying around to put anybody down. Welcome back to Monkeying Around. Tonight, we're talking with Gary McGrath and the McGrath Project. But first, what's happening in the world of the monkeys? Well, uh, the big news right now is that monkeys fans have started receiving their book. Yeah, the new Mickey book is shipping and folks are receiving it. As we're recording this, people are posting photos of the book uh, in their possession. We don't have ours yet. Hopefully, by the time this goes out, we will have ours. I would hope so. Yeah. but uh, I hope so. I mean, that's the biggest thing going in the monkeys world right now. Yeah. So exciting. And there are some great pictures. I'm I'm excited. Now, you, Elaine, you've got a couple of books coming, right? I do. I'm finally getting the day by day as well. I missed wow. out on that the first time. So I'm going to have like one book in one hand and one in the other. Just, you know. <laughs> awesome. That's going to be awesome. And yeah. we're going to come over to your house and read your day by day because ours is too fancy. <laughs> read. Don't you know, I don't have the, I'm not getting the fancy day by day. I'm getting the. Flexi bound. I was going to say paperback, yeah. but that's essentially what it is. So yeah. I, I almost got one of those just <laughs> so we've got a, a reading copy and a display copy. Yeah. You know, I think you can still get one. He still has. I think we available. have other things to buy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what's happening in the world of the monkeys. All right. We're going to take a quick break from our fellow ESO Network podcast show. And when we come back, we'll be talking with Gary McGrath. So stay right there. Drew Leiter here, inviting you to join Cletus Jacobs and I every week as we dive deeper into the dawn of DC. We review DC comics, television, movies, and more. We're excited to finish the final season of Doom Patrol, return to Sweet Tooth for its second season, and check out the Netflix series Bodies. Get all your DC news on the Earth Station DCU podcast, part of the ESO Network. Welcome back to Monkeying Around. This week we are joined by Gary McGrath of the McGrath Project, among many, many other uh, monkeys things. Welcome, Gary. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, from what I've read, you were a recording engineer on the Monkeys Justice in uh, 96. Yes. And then you were um, a recording engineer with um, Nesmith's uh, Rays in 2005. Yes. Yes, and you have done a cover of "Oh My My." <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, I was uh, I produced the very first Shoe Suede Blues album that was not a live recording. Oh, wow. awesome! Cool. And uh, it was it it <laughs> that's kind of what started all of it. Um, okay. Okay. Awesome. So, how did you end up doing that? I watched. Uh, I was my senior year of high school, and I saw the E true Hollywood story on the monkeys. And at the end of it had the wrap up of what they were doing presently at that point. Yeah. And it said that Peter had a band hmm. um, called Wade blues. And I uh, went into the school library because they had the internet. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you had to go find the internet. Yeah. And uh, emailed his website and said that I was 18 years old. And that I was going to start an independent record company and would like to see if he would be interested in writing his own contract and being my first project to be able to gain funding and have some sort of legitimacy. Okay. And he, I didn't expect to hear anything back at all. That's a big yeah. swing for an 18 year old. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got a an, a handwritten letter from him with a CD that he made of the band playing in Santa Monica and said, we're not the monkeys. This is what we sound like. If you're still interested, here's my phone number. Call me. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I, I stared at that letter for probably two weeks. Um, <laughs> they, yeah. they were a huge, you know, that they're, they're the TV show and the idea of, you know, best friends against the world really just mm -hmm. was struck a, a chord. And I finally called him and, 
he uh he and i talked and uh he said can you he's like where are you from and i said uh dallas fort worth and he said he was sorry and uh <laughs> in a very joking condescending way invited me out to los angeles and uh i don't know why my parents allowed me to fly out to meet a stranger who was known for uh um well what peter was known for yep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we had dinner and hit it off. And he said that the monkeys were rehearsing to uh, record a new record. And wow. I just kind of went, okay. And he said, would you like to come watch? And I said, sure. He goes, just sit in the corner. Don't say anything. You know, be a good little boy kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, I went in and I listened to them try regional girl for the first time. Oh, wow. And uh, David wasn't there. It was just Michael and, and Mickey and Peter. Mm-hmm. And uh, it sounded better than I thought it was going to because, you know, for people that didn't play together in, you know, 20 years at that point, it was, yeah. who knows what it was going to sound yeah. like. And then uh, they, I started working. Uh, I, I just stayed. Um, mm. I started working with at a recording studio that did Michael's Tropical Campfires album because mm-hmm. it was the only one I knew. <laughs> uh, I went by there and introduced myself and they let me be an intern there. And uh, it just so happened that Michael booked that same studio or engineer anyway to to do the Monkees record. And uh, he brought me along to be the assistant engineer just to see how I would handle being around idols not knowing that i had already sat with them for (laughs) six hours (laughs) and so i went in and and did that and peter saw me in the session and just kind of went oh so he goes it is true about hollywood and i said what and he goes you just kind of fail upwards (laughs) (laughs) and so we did that and uh uh michael mcdonald not doobie brothers michael mcdonald but a different michael mcdonald uh you know set me up with that and i watched them for uh six weeks make justice and got them coffee and in and out burger and <laughs> stuff like that and fetched microphones and drooled over michael's gretch 12 string and it was <laughs> it was and it was a, a great experience especially at 18 and then peter took me on the road with him with shoe suede blues for off and on from 1996 till he passed away. Wow. Wow. So I'm guessing at some point you like let your parents know that you're okay <laughs> and ran away with the monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, actually when uh, Peter at the, it, I, I got to be part of the monkeys touring band on default because they had a uh, secondary guitar player who was obligated to do stuff with, uh, I believe David Cassidy. Mm. And so he couldn't do this first like four or five shows. And one of those was Billy Bob's in Fort Worth, where I'm from. And uh, Peter was fired from the band <laughs> just a few days before that. And I still got to to do that that show. And wow. my parents told Mickey and David that some kids had imaginary friends, but mine were the monkeys. <laughs> and I don't think um, it ranked up there with most embarrassing moments and neither of them ever let me live that down wow i'm sure well let's back it up a little bit how did you first get introduced to the monkeys yeah um i came home from school and my brother was watching the pleasant valley sunday marathon okay on mtv and 86 Mm -hmm. and uh it was uh i even remember the episode it was the um uh monkey uh chow main episode okay uh and then it went to and i just caught the very end of it Hmm. And the next episode they showed was the Captain Crocodile uh, episode. And I saw them play Valerie and just went, okay, that's what I want to do with my life. Yeah. And that that was that. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, going from, you know, a kid who's imaginary friends with the monkeys to working with them in the studio must be pretty strange. It was very odd. And I couldn't be around them for a while Hmm. Uh, when it was done. And we started working on the Shoe Suede Blues record. Um, I couldn't really be around Peter because the who they were on the show and who and un, un, unfairly so on my part um, and on a lot of fans parts, you know, you built up who you think or hope they are in reality. Mm-hmm. And when they don't meet that, then not just the monkeys, but anybody. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. a really yeah. interesting dynamic. Hmm. And uh, to hear them cuss 
and yell at each other <laughs> was very surreal. But And they notice when people are around them and uh, that they're becoming uncomfortable, uh, their natural entertaining instincts kick in and... <laughs> They started doing it just to make me uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I, I very much see Mike especially doing that. Mike was, uh, especially during that, because he was going through a lawsuit at the time mm. um, with uh, National Geographic. And mm. he was just, the, the Monkey Studio sessions for justice for him was an escape. Mm. Mm. And he was okay. probably, uh, and of course, you know, you read about how Nesmith was and whatnot, and you you expected him to be the the serious one and the the most difficult, and you know, and he was the most mellow, funny, yeah. dry wit yeah. in the yeah. room. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, and so that kind of threw me off. <laughs> like Justice is is a pretty good departure from the classic monkey sound and that it's fans are sort of split on it to this day i mean what what was oh, your yeah. opinion of of justice of musically just as a fan who grew up enjoying the monkeys i was glad i got paid to sit around it <laughs> okay <laughs> uh and that was something that peter at peter asked me honestly when the record was done because they were on tour when michael mixed it and and made sure that it was done and he asked me what I thought of the final product as a monkey's record. And I said, I'm not buying it. Mm. And, <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. and he said, well, why aren't you buying it? And I said, well, I've been engulfed in it for six weeks of my life. I don't need to. I can hear it in my head. <laughs> right. And I thought that was a good excuse for him not to hate me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was interesting because, uh, there were meetings that they would have that I was privy to, but not privy to like mm -hmm. I was in earshot, but not in the room. Right. right. Yeah. And it mm -hmm. was, they were originally uh, being asked if they were going to do something like what would eventually become good times. Right. Do you want yeah. other songwriters to be involved with you? Do you want to replicate, you know, more like headquarters where people submit songs and the four of you pick them with an executive producer mm -hmm. and they, and it was Davey who shut it down mm. and said, no, let's just, let's be a, a real band start to finish. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and of course, Peter followed with that and Michael and Mickey were like, all right, whatever mm. you want, you know, yeah. let's, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so it was interesting to hear them talk about, Oh well, we could get so and so or such and such, and and they hadn't gotten anybody's permission yet. They were just, you know, the powers that be at Rhino were going through their artist catalog of people that have said to them at some point they liked the monkeys, right? Yeah, or yeah. the monkeys were an influence, so they were like going, "Oh wow, we could get you know REM to write something. Oh, we could get you know you <laughs> two to write something." And I thought it was funny because uh, the this one person who no longer works for Rhino came out of the room and I said, you too was a monkeys fan. And he said, have you ever listened to the war album? It's based off headquarters. Wow. Musical. <laughs> and I yeah. said, it is. <laughs> so I went back and listened to that and went, Oh wow. There are a lot of similarities on how like the drumming was done and hmm. how the bass was done and the, that, that they actually started using uh, acoustic piano and sparse kind of ways. And yeah. So, yeah. And it's yeah. really hilarious that you just mentioned REM and U2 because, I mean, with Mickey just doing the Dolan Sings REM, which was mm -hmm. in Athens, Georgia. So that was right around the corner from us. And and Chuck was like, yeah. I mean, man, I'm glad he didn't do Dolan Sings uh, U2 because then we'd be going to Ireland or another <laughs> right. going to Ireland. <laughs> What's really funny is I've had other Monkees fans when, when touring and the, the funniest thing of touring with Peter Tork because he had his lineup of shoe suede blues. And then when the budget wasn't high enough for him to get them, he'd take me. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. the fans that would come see him, especially if it was like a two man band thing, like him and James Stanley or me and him doing like private parties around Los Angeles and, mm -hmm. or fundraiser fundraisers and things like that mm -hmm. was you'd have these people that would tell you all about them. And you could tell that they've never been around them before. <laughs> and uh, you'd hear people talk about how, oh, well, you know, 
pick any member of the band and and say, you know, some outlandish thing like they only eat raw meat on Sundays with a milkshake or something like that. (laughs) Right. And you're like, oh, where did you make that? I mean, hear that. Where did you make that up? (laughs) That's awesome. And I've never seen any any fandom of anyone be as quirky as the monkeys. But I've also never seen a group of fandom be as loving and dedicated yeah as the monkeys i yeah and it's really fascinating especially the ones that think that the monkeys were the monkeys on television and but in real life they were the beatles Mm. right because if you ever get a chance to especially if uh, any meet and greet that gets to be done with mickey um i highly recommend any monkey fan to you know talk to whoever's doing it whether it's jody ritson or whoever to to go watch because there will at least be one person that will ask him to sign a Beatles album. <laughs> and the look on his face is always priceless. That's awesome. Oh my goodness. I yeah. wouldn't mind having a Beatles album signed by Mickey Dolenz. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I would not want to do that. <laughs> I watched Peter Tork sign Ringo Starr to like five or six copies of the White <laughs> Album. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> And nice. I thought that was hilarious. And I asked him, I said, what are you doing? He goes, there's people that really believe that they thought that we were, he's like, they, they were just fans of music and just got it mixed up in their head somewhere. Yeah. And he's like, why just, he goes, why destroy their fantasy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if you see someone selling a Ringo uh, autograph on eBay, you know, Check it for yeah. Peter's handwriting, just in case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you you worked with the monkeys as a group, and you've mm-hmm. worked with several of them individually in the studio and on stage. I mean, is it a different experience working with, say, Peter or Mike, and, and when they're not being monkeys? Yes. Okay. And what? Yes. Um, it's. Uh, uh, it's funny because you know you Mickey Dolan's touches on it on a lot of interviews about it being like the cast of Glee or you know mm-hmm. his Star Trek analogies and whatnot, mm-hmm. and the way that mm-hmm. that actually like went ding 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 in my head was uh, watching Peter go into the role of the character of Peter when he's around the other monkeys mm-hmm. when wow. he's not. He was more of a musical historian, and he really loved educating anyone that would listen to him about Bach or Beethoven or the birds mm-hmm. or the, the entire Laurel Canyon scene or the uh, Chicago or Delta blues stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was just an encyclopedia of knowledge, and he would sit around and play you stuff on his phone, or if you were lucky enough to be a guest at his house, he'd pull out records, CDs, cassettes, whatever. Wow. Um, and just love to talk about it. But as soon as he got around Mickey or or David, he would all of a sudden become cartoonish. Mm. <laughs> and it was it was funny to watch that uh, that habit because I and and when you think about it, uh, or at least when I thought about it, when you have people that were together since they were you know eighteen, nineteen, twenty years mm-hmm. old, yeah, and were expected for you know eighteen hours a day to be a character. Mm-hmm. when you t- remove them, then they can go back to normal. When you put them back in that environment, those it's just that kind of habit. It's like mm-hmm. watching a sports team get together and all of a sudden, you know, they haven't done anything athletic in 20 years, but all of a sudden they pull out a football for some reason. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think even just in relationships, I think I, I think I act a little different, for instance, if my older brother's around than I do when he's not, he lives in a different state. I don't see him that often, mm-hmm. but you know, he sort of fall back into mm-hmm. those old routines you know, when, when we yeah. get back together. Yeah. Yeah, exactly like that. And I think that's one of the reasons when, uh, like Mickey Dolans would always say, you know, they were like siblings or David would say it, or Peter would make a, a reference to, yeah, the family reunions coming up and stuff like that. <laughs> and, you know, everyone interprets it differently. And it's one thing to kind of see that and be able to have that you, you can kind of understand a little bit more about what they mean when it becomes personal to you, which, you know, for some people that have been very lucky to to see that, that's great. But for the general fan, that it's kind of hard to conceptualize what that means. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, having known the guys now and worked with them and performed with them, 
are you still a fan of the monkeys? Has it affected your your fandom of the show? Like when you go back, is it is it like you're watching guys that you know when they were young, or is it like watching the show? It it really has varied. Uh, mm. For most of the uh, from 2000 to 2010, I couldn't watch the show. I couldn't listen to it. Yeah, and it really bothered me because I loved it. I, mm. I loved the show. I loved the music. I loved the records of it. And, uh, you know, you'd sit there and, you know, uh, it was, it, it, it was very difficult to, to watch or to listen to. And then, um, uh, there was a, uh, a convention. No, it was a, it was a flower power cruise okay. and, uh, uh, Davey was on it and I wasn't working with him or playing with him, but uh, he and I stopped and we had a, a sandwich, uh, and discuss things. And uh, he was talking about how he was a very big fan of, um, uh, I forgot what TV show he said it was. Uh, it was, uh, oh, All in the Family. Okay. And he said that yeah. he got to meet some of the cast members at other, you know, conventions and stuff mm -hmm. like that and meet and greets. And he said that it for him, it was very easy to get the actor mixed up with the character that the actor brought to life. Mm -hmm. And he said that, uh, even for him being an entertainer, he said, yeah. uh, he goes, uh, that it was, he thought it found it silly that he didn't separate the two. Right. Yeah. And it was that realization of kind of going, okay, yes, that's their job. Even if you take, you know, the monkeys project, which is unique out of it yeah. and put something else in there from, you know, let's take Bruce Springsteen, for example, you know, people mm -hmm. have their idea of who he is because of what yeah. they've seen on stage or loving his lyrics, but knowing the man personally is two different things. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, uh, I, I felt really dumb for not for spending you know having a 10-year hiatus of not being able to watch something that sparked a lifetime of of goals and to not acknowledge it and uh that that was the shift and i rediscovered it and i was able to watch it in a different light uh, and listen to the records in a different light um but it gave me more respect for it and the process and the the uh details that were put into it whether it was the original records from the 60s or what andrew sandoval has done uh with mm -hmm. you know the last five six albums mm. yeah yeah so after working with the monkeys i guess you you moved on and you've moved up and doing your own projects yes uh well the, the the funny thing was all the different players that you know the four of them have used in their solo works and everything else yeah all work for other people mm -hmm. and uh mm -hmm. i was working with uh, one, uh his name was stevie gurr and uh, he was peter Tork's original lead guitar player in shoe suede blues and he'd worked for dr john and elvin bishop and he uh took me under his wing and introduced me to a lot of people in los angeles and i ended up meeting spencer davis mm. and spencer davis hired me to be part of his you know, touring Spencer Davis group. And that brought me into working with uh, Tim Bogart of Vanilla Fudge, who became my bass player and started the McGrath project with me. Hmm. And Tim brought in uh, Teddy Zigzag, who is part of Alice Cooper's band. He was part of Guns N' Roses during the Use Your Illusion albums. And he did Michael Jackson's Dangerous album. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was interesting that all of that really got connected through Peter Tork. Wow. Yeah. That's and crazy. then on the other side of that, I loved uh, a lot of what uh, Michael did through the, the 80s and the early 90s. Yeah. And his percussionist was Luis Conte. And I called him up and said, would you like to be on a session? He said he'd love to. And to find out that he was Madonna's percussionist for the uh, um, Truth or Dare tour and did the like, of, uh, um, not like a virgin of uh, the true blue tour uh, album and the um like a prayer album and yeah. then he was also the percussionist for michael jackson on off the wall and thriller and bad and dangerous okay wow. and so that came through nez and mm. got to work with him and then he brought me in to work with chicago as mm -hmm. a producer and engineer because um, his best friend was their drummer, Walfredo Rios Jr., who was also, before he joined Chicago, was the drummer in Traffic with Steve Winwood, 
So when he found out that I worked with Spencer Davis and he worked with Steve Winwood, we got along fabulously and have done several <laughs> projects together. And all of that has been through the monkeys. Wow. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. You mentioned the, the McGrath project. I mean, tell folks mm -hmm. what the McGrath project is. Well, uh, again, it, it uh, Tim Bogert from the Vanilla Fudge and I were uh, hanging out one day and he said, so you write music? And I said, yes. And he goes, is it any good? I said, no. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, that's modest. And I said, no, it's just not what I thought was a good par. Hmm. And he said, well, play me some things. And we and I played them. And he said, OK, you're one of those people that's your own worst critic. I, I think <laughs> it has some promise. Let me get Teddy Zigzag in here to play keys. And I got a drummer that was playing with uh, Peter at the time. His name was Brian Head. He played for Peter and he played for Dick Dale. Okay. At the same time, because they never, neither toured enough to make it a full time thing. Mm. Yeah. And so we made a record of, of my stuff and uh, released it, and it got a lot of good critic uh, praise. And then all of a sudden, Guns N' Roses decided to start touring again. So Teddy went back out with Guns N' Roses, and then Brian joined Foreigner. Mm. And so it was just Tim and I, and Tim went, Well, do you like the Doobie Brothers? And I said, Yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> and he said, well, let me introduce you to their drummer. His his name's Chet McCrack, and he's retired from the Doobie Brothers. He lives two doors down from me. <laughs> and I said, okay. And so I, I met him, and then we went to uh, to eat at a, a sushi restaurant, which we would go to every Tuesday just to be stupid. Mm -hmm. um, and being in L.A., you know, it's just fresh, so why not? And yeah. uh, or fresher, I, I don't know. And uh, we ran into uh, Tim, got real excited and said that that guy sitting behind you is the keyboard player from Three Dog Night. And I said, Oh, that's cool. And he said, Do you do you know a lot of their songs? I said, No, yeah. And he said, How do you not know Three Dog Night? And I said, Because I spent my childhood listening to the monkeys and the Beatles, I mean, <laughs> you know. And so uh, he brought him over and then uh, he joined the band. And he's actually the uh, still in the band. Okay. And uh, and we've kind of been together ever since. And when I moved back to to Texas, uh, Tim passed away, and Chet just retired uh, for various reasons, uh, mostly so he could spend time with his daughter before she went to college. Mm. And uh, and uh, but we've just kind of uh, blossomed. We've made five albums total. One of them was a double record because that was the smart business move to make. Um, <laughs> that, that, which actually, I always say it's sarcastic because it is the most successful record. It went gold in the UK. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. And uh, we've toured that and uh, and now we're released this new record. And uh, on it is a bunch of uh, of tunes, one being Oh My My. Yep. And, uh, yeah. And we, we recorded a few tunes like that. We did uh, Love Is Only Sleeping. Yeah. And we did Daily Nightly. And we did a punk version of Daydream Believer. Uh, because, <laughs> I <did it. laughs> because I did it for the Alvin and the Chipmunk soundtrack. Oh. <laughs> oh, and, okay. And everyone thought, oh, that's great. But too bad it's the Chipmunks. We'd like to hear a real vocal on it. Right. And I went, oh, well, then I'll just record it again. Yeah. And and did that. And I gave it to Davy's Daughters for his equestrian fund. Okay. Oh, nice. And they used yeah. it for, uh, They I put it out. And they, you know, I, I told them that whatever money I would get from that side of the mechanicals and business side, I'd give to the equestrian fund. And uh, so they've enjoyed that and they get a kick out of it. They laugh at me for it. <laughs> so is, is that still available? Yes. Okay. Where, where, where yep. would people find that cover? You, you would find it. It's on any streaming thing. Just put the McGrath project daydream believer and it'll pop up. Okay. And yep. any, any search engine, it, it comes up and it's, I find it really funny because it's to me, it sounds more like poison meets green Dave, <laughs> but it was, it was a lot of fun to make because it was a, a, an arrangement that was not as Mickey puts it karaoke. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah and that, that's important. That's something that Mickey always brings into his covers or, you hmm. know, Christian or whomever else doing exactly that, not doing a karaoke version, you know, doing a new interpretation of the song, which is really, yeah, fun. which, I'm I'm kind of curious of uh, being a, a musician and an artist. I understand where he's coming from on that, yeah. but 
I'm curious if you, with y'all being fans of the monkeys and fans, I, I assume fans of that genre and that, mm-hmm. uh, that era, um, has anyone else put to, con- a, a, a connected dots on why that would be just a, a no brainer for Mickey? I think because depending on the song, it might not have been, and I think Christian had said this on something, it's not Mickey's key, so you're going to have to rearrange it anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he can sing it without sounding like a strangled chicken or whatever. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, you have to, if you have to rearrange it anyways, you might as well try to make it, you know, dated a little. Or more just, more complimentary know. to Mickey's voice. Mm-hmm. Right. See, my theory on it, and of course, I have nothing to back this up with other than what I'm about to say, <laughs> right. is during that time uh, when the monkeys came out in the in a, a little bit earlier, the 64, 65, 66, 67, it was really common for all these main bands to do the same songs. Mm-hmm. And sure. they would each make their version their own version. Mm-hmm. You yes. would hear like the Vanilla Fudge doing Ticket to Ride. The Beatles did Ticket to Ride. Then you would hear like the Rolling Stones do I Want to Be Your Man. Or you mm-hmm. would hear Carol King have her song Chains done by the Beatles and the Temptations and the Loving Spoonful. Right. And so people sharing songs during Mickey's informative years and, of course, his, you know, the prime of the monkeys mm-hmm. was so commonplace where you know, after like the seventies, it was no longer commonplace. Mm. So we have like two to three generations removed where that wasn't a big deal, but to hear like Elvis sing something by George Harrison or, or to hear John Lennon do stand by me. Right. Yeah. It, it yeah. Was, it's kind of one of those things where for Mickey, it's like, sure, I'll cover songs. It's what everyone does. That's commonplace. Right. Right. It really isn't to a new band or newer mm. band. True. Mm, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of a novelty now. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've always found that interesting to hear, to read all the reviews of like Mickey sings REM or Mickey sings or Dolan sings Nesmith of people going, why did he choose to do that? I'm like, well, it makes sense for him. That's what people did during his youth. Yeah. That's what's yeah. ingrained in his psyche. That That's very true. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of the songs that you mentioned that you'd covered are kind of common ones you hear covered, but Oh My My is not one that you often hear of people covering. No, and what's funny is Jeff Barry as a producer <clears throat> would get songs that he felt they could play live. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because he yeah. wanted to find simple songs that would be focused around whoever the vocalist was, whether it was Mickey or David for his right. personal <laughs> picks. But he wanted songs that he felt that they could pull off live knowing that that was part of the agenda. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so when you listen to Oh My My or anything from Changes, um, it really is this, you know, a, a simplistic but yet driven pop sound um, that is not difficult to do. And the songs are fun to play from a mm. musician point of view. They're very yeah. fun to play. Yeah. And on the Justice Tour, we did Oh My My. And cool. uh, Peter played the lead guitar on it. And I thought it was really interesting because he was, that was one of his favorites. And I was always fascinated with that going, well, what did you think of the three albums you weren't on? And I'd ask him that all the time. <laughs> and he'd give me that, you know, curled lip look and <laughs> never, he never answered me. He'd just curl his lip and just walk away. Like, how <laughs> dare you ask me about those three records? Right. So, but I really was, I was always curious what he thought of those and what Nesmith thought of changes and hmm lit and stuff like that and yeah and uh nez did tell me once in passing what he thought of pool it and i was shocked okay and he said it's a good record that's all he said i'm also shocked <laughs> I, I was I expecting him them, to, but <laughs> I, I i was like okay is that and i kept wondering like is that the polite answer is that just the pc answer like what yeah. <laughs> what's his real thought on it and uh apparently um, he wanted when he was approached if he wanted to be a part of it. He told the powers that be, "Take light and cruising, and just those will be my two songs." Oh wow! He's like, if you want to re-record them, that's fine. If you want to bring mm-hmm. other session players in, that's fine. But those are my two contributions to it. If I'm going to be a part of it, and somewhere along the line, they just said, "No, we want something that hasn't been released yet." Yeah. Wow, that, that seems like, well, insane to me from a business perspective of not having Michael Nesbeth on there because you want a, an original song instead. 
Yeah. Well, since they, and I think it was because elephant parts did so well Yeah. and they just didn't want to just, they, I think the producers felt that that was a phone in answer where the Mm -hmm. the other three were touring and, you know, doing commercials and they're like, come on, you got to pull your weight. I think was what the powers that be were looking at, but yeah, okay. I don't know. I was, I was in like, you know, first grade at the time. So excuse me. (laughs) Right. You didn't have any say in that. (laughs) No. But I'm when thinking about thinking back on it, going okay, let the you know the people that produced Bullet, I would like to hear what they would have done with a with that tracking band with Light and Cruise, and yeah, I think it'd be yeah. interesting. Yeah. It would be interesting. I can't. I can't imagine that I would like it more than the existing versions. <laughs> but I'm not a huge Pullet guy, Elaine. You're you're a big fan of Pullet. Would Did, you have liked yeah. to hear Light and Cruising on Pullet? I would not have known what they were at the okay. time. So it's just I new songs just to you. I would have thought they would have just been new songs to me. Yeah. You know, because um, I would just knew into the monkeys when all of that was happening. And I was not aware of anybody's solo stuff right. in between. So I, I, it would have just been uh, more songs. I would not have, yeah. wouldn't have known anything. And and <laughs> I enjoyed Pool It anyway. So, hey, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I I I enjoyed Pool It. I thought it was really neat for what it was. And especially for it being... Um, as you know, sonically very topical for 87. Um, yeah, that's true. But I, I think it would have been interesting to hear uh, and specifically cruising with like how they did midnight. That's what mm. my brain goes to, to yeah, have that yeah. very kind of Michael Jackson, uh, Billy Jean guitar on it and having kind of that mood and, uh, and, and Nez's narrat- narrative, the way that he sung that I thought would have been really neat. Yeah, but yeah. it's also if you fast forward to Justice, it's very similar of how the Mickey and Davey brought you and I back in from the Dolan's Jones Boys and Heart album. Mm. So, you know, for fans yeah. that knew it, it's like, oh, they redid that. For people that just, oh, it's another monkey song, great, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we've been listening to your latest record, Oh My, lately, and mm-hmm. it's good. I I, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I listen to a lot of classic rocks. So I think anyone who likes music in that vein would enjoy it. Yeah. Why, thank you. I appreciate that. We, yeah. we put a lot of any artist puts a lot of, you know, a lot of their time and energy into stuff. And you're hoping that other people like it and and whatnot. And uh, so it's always nice to hear it. I, I just thought it was when it came down to it, I really wanted to have something that was based uh, in what made me want to do music in the first place. Mm. Yeah, and so yeah. that's why I, I I went with that. But I didn't want it to be something just blunt <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 and uh i keep waiting to get the i'm actually shocked that i've because of a lot of monkey fan, or more or less peter tort fans follow the mcgrath project and yeah. i've i've been waiting to hear some backlash for doing that but <laughs> nope nope they all seem to rather enjoy it yeah awesome yeah no i like it yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I thought it was funny when I put a horn section on it. I was kind of nervous about it because I was like, okay, is this going <laughs> to sound good or is this just going to sound like bad Motown? Right. <laughs> but, but it was fun. Either Regardless, yeah. it, it was fun. It worked out well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the big question is if I was going to, if I, because it, it, it is possible for me to actually release it as a single single. And yeah. if I'm going to do a yeah. music video, how would I do it? And I've always, I've told the band, I'm like, if we do a video to this, you realize that I'm going to make it very Richard Lester, Jim Frawley <laughs> kind of stuff. <laughs> and uh, my drummer is a big movie buff. And so he went, you're going to make it like help in the Muppet movie. <laughs> and I said yes, just like that. That would be yeah. amazing. Yeah, that sounds like a great pitch to me. <laughs> yeah. Yes. More puppet. Yeah. 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 Well, we, we, well, we I, are puppet. I personally people. think a I think a Muppet version of me would be great because it would have better hair. <laughs> <laughs> Elaine, you were gonna say something a minute ago, and I think I jumped on top of you. I think I was gonna say that I like the song um Quinn did from the album. I really like that oh, one. And yeah, that one stuck in my head sometimes. But yeah. <laughs> now, the Wind Did was a, it was the first single off the record, and we got very mad at YouTube. We put mm. the song out, and we had uh, a music video that accompanied it. And the first 24 hours, it tied Mickey's Shiny Happy People 
uh, wow. on YouTube's views. Okay. And yeah. then, it, and then of course, Mickey's got a little bit more because, you know, he has 7A Records that actually has a budget. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, we were like, oh, we're right behind. And all of us thought that was just super cool. Yeah. And then two days later, YouTube dropped the videos and it went views and it went from 95,000 views to 10,000 views. Wow. Ooh. And we all have <laughs> screenshots of it in the 80,000, 90,000 views. Yeah. And we're like, yeah. nope, that's what we're going to talk about. We don't care what you show. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Because we were so proud of it, but it made us all just, we, we were complaining to YouTube and my uh, stepson was, he's a big YouTuber and loves watching these different uh, people that do game reviews and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, it's typical. I've watched them have like half a million views and the next day it's back to 20,000 and they have to re-upload and blah, 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 blah. Wow. And uh, I was like, thank you for trying to make me feel better, but you're not. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I was telling uh, my singer, who's also my, my fiance, I just looked at her and said, well, we were kings for a day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right. And she just went, and she goes, that's really profound. I went, it's a monkey's reference. And right. she just went, of course it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, what does the McGrath Project have coming up next? We are going on the road in 2024 uh, nationally with Gilby Clark of Guns N' Roses. Wow. And then we're going to do some more dates with uh, 80s icon Tiffany. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we did a few, a handful of dates with her uh, last spring mm -hmm. and had a great time with her. And uh, she, her, uh, her husband is her guitar player and her brother-in-law is her other guitar player. So it's a, a definite family band. Mm -hmm. And they were like, y'all are the perfect band to open for us. And I said, okay, well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad someone thinks that we're good at something. And, uh, <laughs> and they said, well, would you like to do more dates? And I said, of course. I'm like, this is, this is a blast. And so we, we've been negotiating that and when, and it looks like that's going to be, uh, the summer uh, of June and July. And we're going to do the stuff with Gilby in March and April. Okay. okay. Awesome. And then we're going to, we're supposed to go to Canada and Mexico and Italy as well throughout oh, wow. the summer, but we'll, those are going to be on our own doing music festivals. So oh, fun. Okay. hopefully, nice. hopefully that'll be exciting and and done well and we're uh we're going to be releasing uh most of uh the oh my record is going to be released as individual singles mm. but we're also going to make b-sides for each one of them of different things okay um okay. and uh like i i i'm pushing for it uh because i was so close i i pulled love is only sleeping off the record because i had a severe case of what people call demo love where I mm. couldn't get the the Pisces version out of yeah, my head. Yeah. And yeah. I just I'm like, it just doesn't sound right to me. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I and what was funny was I um my drummer was like, well, why don't you just go ahead and and use a, a you know a 65 Gibson Les Paul through a Fender twin like what Nesmith used. And I was like, wait a minute, how'd you know he used a Gibson <laughs> Les Paul through a Fender Twin. Like, where did you, where, like, how'd you know that? And he went through on what all of them used on Love is Only Sleeping, you know, which type of Moog wow. kit. And he knew what acoustic guitar Peter used and electric Michael used, what Chip Dudless did on what bass. And I was just kind of like, wow. And I thought I was the nerd. Ooh. <laughs> I'm like, you're out nerding me. I like this. Keep talking. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome it's pretty crazy. This journey sort of started with your, as an 18 year old reaching out to Peter Tork. Mm -hmm. I mean, where do you think you'd be if you hadn't done that? If you hadn't taken that chance, probably a paleontologist. <laughs> <laughs> Dodged a bullet there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't, I'm not good at big words. Uh, I'm, I'm not <laughs> like one of the next that actually is a walking thesaurus. Mm. Uh, did any of y'all read Chris, the article Rolling Stone did with Christian mm -hmm. in the yes. last week? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I thought it was funny that uh, the one thing I would have added, and I actually did send Cersei a, a note saying the only thing that they left out was the family uh, tradition of having an extensive vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> because all of the Nesmiths, and of course, you, you I, I, I can't imagine what like Thanksgiving dinner was like in that household. Right. Yeah. Of trying to describe 
like, how was your day? I, I can just simply, I can always, I just picture Christian something saying something like, oh, my day was very esoteric. How was yours? You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I, that's just what I picture. Cause they, that Christian and, uh, Christian and Cersei invited me into the studio to, to observe, um, their record dumb luck they did in 2010, somewhere oh, nice. around there. And, yeah. And of course, they used what was going to become the the first national band Redux, right? Um, and all those players are fantastic. And to watch Christian really, you know, be in his element, and then Cersei doing her thing is quite magical. And if you're if you're a Monkeys fan but have not gotten to explore, you know, the the Nesmith side of things and extensions thereof. Yeah. go check out Cersei Link. It's mm -hmm. yes, it, it's they are fantastic. quite fantastic. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And uh just you know, Christian's production on something that he is in love with, not just because of the music, but because of his personal heart, is mm -hmm. I, I think quite fantastic. And I was actually when I was told that he was gonna be doing the the Dolan sings Nesmith, of course he has an invested interest because it's his father <laughs> and so right. he's known yeah. since he was three. Um yeah. And kept a good relationship with. So I'm like, I wonder if that's going to be any different from him on that side versus, you know, the love of his life and not just personally, but musically as well. And I was right. real curious to hear it. And I was so happy to hear that same uh, energy in that record that mm -hmm. you hear in the Cersei Link records. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Because you, 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 you never you never know because everything's so okay here's the mm -hmm. budget here's the studio we have a, and what we have allowed to us at that time and you know when people put a deadline you know everyone does whatever they do but yeah, you know yeah. christian has always been very top shelf on his own so i i was not i was not disappointed yeah. i don't think anyone was Did anyone ever hear a bad review on that record no no, no. i never if, heard one all <laughs> i ever heard praise and deservedly so so yeah Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a fantastic record. And Dolan Sings REM is as well. Mm -hmm. And like I was just saying on a few podcasts ago that I'm not even a prog guy, but I really enjoyed Cosmologica. And I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to that. He said they have a follow-up to that coming soon. So I'm I'm anticipating that. Everything they do is fantastic. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, Christian is very, uh, well, I, I, like a lot of people, I'm sure that the three of you are the same way, that if, if you have downtime, you don't know what to do with yourself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What's downtime? What? <laughs> yeah. If Christian has downtime, it's like, okay, what can I do to fill it? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he's, I, I think, uh, well, my, I, I think he's a, a brilliant individual. And I think he has wonderful outlets with Cersei's music and then being able to contribute with stuff with 7A. And yeah. mm -hmm. I think that's a cool thing for him. And I'm, I'm so happy for the monkey fandom world to actually have that to be a, an, another outlet yeah absolutely mm -hmm. yeah all right so gary so. where can people find more of you on the internet on the internet you can find me everywhere um you know <laughs> facebook instagram twitter or x formerly known as twitter tinder you know myspace whatever <laughs> <laughs> no, just if you put in the mcgrath project band you will find me wherever you know obscenities are done well, all right well, thank you very much for joining us today this has been fun you have some great stories <laughs> yeah yes um, it's you know the 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 thing that i find so neat about the monkeys is you, you can take another band you know they obviously get compared to the beatles a lot but let's compare them real quick to the the beach boys okay. the beach boys you have the story of you know Dennis Wilson hanging around Charles Manson or, or Brian Wilson having his nervous breakdown and having right. to have his feet stand when he wrote. But that's about it. That's kind of the extent of it. Whereas the monkeys has this mythical thing mm -hmm. about the four of them together and separate. And mm -hmm. you have people that have had the opportunity to meet them and meet the extensions, whether it's family members or the touring bands or whatever. And, uh, it, everyone had walks away with something different, but it's always been something enlightening. Mm. And I think that's the real magic about what that project brought to life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Chuck, do you have a, you may also like for us this week. I do. And this is an artist that we talked about just recently when we were having our now and then discussion. Uh, but super eight has a new EP out called the plus four EP number one. And 
It's good. It's Bronco. I was playing it for you in the car mm-hmm. just the other day. What did you think? It was it was fantastic. I was really really enjoying it. Yeah, and uh, it's funny because it, it it leads off with a song called Resolution. Happy New Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't hear a lot of Happy New Year songs. Yeah. So this is available no. via Bandcamp. If you head over to Super Eight on Bandcamp, and it's available digitally. It's called the it's called Super Eight the Plus Four EP Number One. And it, it says here, Super Eight are proud to present. The Plus 4 EP number one, the first of a new three EP project that will continue to roll out over the coming year. Remember to turn that opening track up to 11 at your New Year's Eve party. That's what it was written for. Have a good one, folks, and all the very best for the coming Yuletide season and beyond. So check that out on Bandcamp. I like the Super 8's output. I, I like the the music that they do. So, yeah, check that out. Awesome. All right, Elaine, where can people find more of you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Monkeying Around, on Facebook at Monkeying Around. We also have a discussion group on Facebook and email monkeyingaroundpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. You can also find me on Facebook at Elaine and Matt Watch TV. Mm-hmm. Which is always a good time. Yes. And how about us, Chuck? Feltnerdy.com. And? The Felt Nerdy and Dirty Show on Facebook. Like we are launching uh, the biggest show we've done, which we're debuting at the Red Light Cafe in Atlanta on February the 25th. (laughs) And it's called the Felt Nerdy and Dirty Show. And uh, we, for more than 10 years, we've been doing both family-friendly nerd humor as well as very adult humor. And this is more on the very adult side. So if you enjoy that type of dirty puppet show, follow the Felt Nerdy and Dirty Show on Facebook. And if you want the clean you know, nerdy stuff, Dalek puppets and that sort of thing. Follow Felt Nerdy on Facebook. And YouTube. And YouTube. Yeah, we have some YouTube videos. That's right. We've been debuting. So Mm -hmm. check it out. Also, you can find us at Earth Station Trek, which is our podcast about Star Trek. All right. Thanks for monkeying around. Thanks for monkeying around with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and monkeyingaround.com. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.